Today on the show, I'm happy to have Nanette Swed. She's the CEO of Humanize AI. They're deploying custom AI agents to streamline your operations. And what inspired this is something happened pretty, that hit very close to home recently. Would you mind sharing that with us? Yeah, exactly. So it was actually back in 2019. I remember I had been visiting my mom in my hometown with my kids. And we were already back on the train when my husband is calling me and asking, where are you? Where are you? And I said, I said, oh, we are on the train. Why? What's going on? And he said, I was getting it from the Israeli news that there has been a terror attack on the synagogue in, in Halle. And I'm sure what's going on. I just heard that. didn't see anything. It was Yom Kippur and somebody was trying to go inside the synagogue uh, with armed with a weapon and just trying to shoot around. But what happened is that security saw it from outside, but they had cameras outside. They saw him coming. So they closed the synagogue entirely. He was not able to go inside and do a massacre there. But so he ran, he was running across the street, just shooting a random old lady that passed his way, asking what he was doing there. And he went to the next um, fast food stand and was shooting another immigrant there. So it was uh, a racial crime. Um, he was an anti-Semite and he committed these kind of uh, murders. Um, because of his strong feelings of hatred, actually against the Jews, he didn't find them. So he just shot other people that apparently crossed his way. That was one story that touched me very deeply because my husband is uh, also Jewish and our kids are there by the definition of that man, not worth living to. And so I was very shocked because I'd passed there in this moment. Um, and I, I, luckily I haven't seen it and I wasn't in the scene, but it still was with me for a while. I was asking myself, where does this hatred really come from? What's happening with people that they turn the frustration with the world against a certain group of people, blaming them guilty for things they had suffered. Apparently, the person who had been left alone and by himself for a long time, so he could develop this kind of deep-rooted hatred. And another story that was just a few weeks later, really, I was in a church listening to a book reading by a very famous uh, German TV presenter and journalist. Her name is Dunja Hayali, and she is a descendant of uh, Iraqi parents. She grew up in Germany, and she's very famous for her political journalism, but also she is openly homosexual, so she's living with her in a partnership with a woman. So she was just reading a few letters that she was getting from readers, and as she was reading how people are... are like threatening her to, to wait for her at night to come out of the building where she works, to murder her, to burn her, to rape her. I couldn't stop crying because this was not one letter. This was dozens of letters that she received from different people. And again, I was thinking, where does this come from? What in the world this woman had done to other people just by the fact that she's in a partnership with a woman? or by the fact that she is a daughter of Iraqi parents. What is triggering people to be so evil? That was shortly before COVID. And then COVID kicked in and I had a large startup together with my co-founder, Simone, who by now actually had left the company because she had a baby and is now focusing on countryside life and being a mom. But we had back then the idea to help People overcoming loneliness during COVID by arranging a curated program online where they could take care of their mental health, but also physical health. 
And we had very special offers with stuff like co-course circles and special types of yoga and other physical activities, even some tantra classes. People could really open up in a very safe space and talk about things that they usually don't share. And we had a really strong feedback there, a very strong reaction. People were coming back and we saw that the power of communication is so strong that this is where we stayed, even though we had two very strong pivots in between, but the essence of empathy, communication and staying close to the human is always with us. So that business, that was the business you actually exited, right? No, that was Kippy. That was a vegan market, a vegan online shop. That is what I sold. Yeah. So we um, talk through the experience of actually selling your first business. It was a cumbersome experience because I was already working on my current company and it was, I didn't find it too easy to sell it because it was a small business. I didn't work with investors back then. So I really had to look for a person that, that stands behind the values I created with this company. So it was a fair and vegan online shop for kids fashion, vegan kids fashion. So it had to be the right kind of personality. So I had to look for that buyer. It was actually one of my best customers who took over the shop. Yeah. That's the best person to sell it to is strategically find that exit like that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So did you, now on this venture, you actually did, it is venture backed? We have small investments from business angels so far. As we had two pivots since the moment we founded it, it was a little bit hard to show the traction on the one thing. So obviously we pivoted because we saw we had a trial and error period. Right? We didn't find a strong use case on our first idea, also because we were very early. So the first thing we started to do with Kukwa was this online platform. But then we saw we actually want to work with companies and in companies we had to scale communication. And this is where we started working with AI and trying to make AI agents empathetic so that they can take over the role that I had, my co-founder had in talking to people personally and creating this really strong bond. And it was really experimental. We started doing this the same moment ChatGDP was going, uh, was coming out. And you have to understand that Germany, other than the US is very cautious and a bit more hesitant when it comes to adopting new technologies and AI that potentially is also considered a threat. There's a lot of fear going on in the head. Will AI take my job? Will it spy on me all day long? So over the first, say, 10 months, actually till now, we had to develop a method and develop for us positioning where we can credibly say what we're developing is ethical AI and we want to be close to human, not to spy on them, but because we want to fill in the gap of communication that right now does not happen and make this communication happen and then build a connection to other humans. So we don't want to substitute human contact. It's the opposite. We want to talk about things that people don't talk to with other people and then say, okay, this is the right person for you to talk to. So what would be an example of one of your AI agents? We recently, just in July, launched Hope. Hope is an 
AI-supported tool to consult on diversity, equity, and inclusion topics. So whether you're one of the business owners or managers that want to create an inclusive work culture and doesn't really know how to do it or doesn't know how to address non-binary people, or there are many questions around inclusion, also how to overcome certain uh, racial challenges that you have in your company. But it's also thought as a tool for people who feel hurt in their rights at work, who feel bullied or maybe harassed or discriminated. They can talk to and get like a step-by-step process as if they had their own consultant by their side. So we developed this tool with someone who is an discrimination investigator in a very large global company. And he had dealt with hundreds of discrimination cases. So he was very helpful and showing us which kind of processes people go through before they actually can report a case. And he also told us, listen, people come to me one or two years after things happen to them. They don't talk right away. And that, so this is the will, will the core of your bots be then focused on cultural challenges and HR departments and things around that nature? It's very different. We also are working with a company in the automotive industry that wants very specific things from us. That is very different. It has to do with, with uh, legal information and I, I can't talk too much about it, but it, it has to do with digesting a lot of legal information so that workers will have those information at hand very quickly, right? The problem is in big, large corporate workers usually have very uh, heavy processes when they need and very crucial information that a certain department holds and having the answer of this department can take a week or so because they themselves need to look it up in their data bank. So they have a research department that looks it up. So what if you have a bot that instead of making, but while you are in your creative process, you don't need to stop the creative process, but can just ask the bot quickly, listen, do we have a patent on, or do we have, what's the information or where's the file or on this and this certain thing, and you don't have to go through all of these tedious processes before you have your information. Because what happens in the end, that employees actually don't ask the question because it's too cumbersome. Hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, these bots can really help people get the information they need faster. And as I said, if you're approaching it from like an ethical, empathetical standpoint, it's going to feel like you're talking to a person. And this is exactly the, this is exactly the gap that we want to close. So you can imagine it as the knowing it all person that is always wanting well for you, that is just behind uh, your shoulder. So Nanette, if you could tell your younger self any one thing, what would it be? I would say you can do it all. <laughs> you can do it all. See, I'm saying this because I grew up in East Germany before the war came down and I was raised by parents who loved me like endlessly and I had very young and cool parents they did a lot of stuff with me so I never felt doubt and love and that I'm lovable I don't have this kind of problem but I also grew up in a very egalitarian country school system it was there to make everyone equal and never step out of the line in order to keep people handable easily handable even as a young girl I often tried to push the borders I think that's quite normal with kids they try to push the borders, see and experiment with themselves and do things that not everybody does just to try out your personality. And very often I got cut off and say, okay, you don't do this. You don't do this. You don't do this. 
So I think what this led to is that in my later age, I was thinking, okay, I, I know I'm capable of many things. I have a PhD in economics. I was always the best in school. I speak six, seven languages. I knew rationally I can do many things, but I always had the feeling, don't think of yourself too much. Don't think you're special. You're not. You're just like anyone else. And on the one hand, that's nice because I like, I like the idea that every person is worth equally so that we know life that's worth more than the other life. I really believe this. But it doesn't mean that you cannot try to live a different life. Not everything is planned out for you. So in the country that my parents grew up, everything was planned out for them. There was no room to make a plan. And that's the education they got. And that's the education that they gave me in a certain way. So, and it ended up with me and one company that I built, ending up with a, a co-founder that I thought, okay, he's exactly what I need because he's exactly the opposite of me. And it was such a strong disalignment from our values that I really hurt myself there. And it came from this lack of trust in my personality and my power to do it all by myself. Because in the end, in that company, I did everything by myself. You run away. You never came back from the summer holiday. Well, and then maybe it was for the best, right? And then you got to see that you could do it all. Exactly. That was the lesson I really needed. So I don't even regret this. It, it costed me so much. I, I don't even can explain. It was much more than money. It cost me. It had a huge price on my private life. But yeah, I learned the lesson that I needed. So Lynette, if our listeners wanted to get in touch, learn more about the company, how could they do? They can reach out on LinkedIn, Nanette's web, or they can email at nanette at humanize.ai or yeah, I think that's the easiest ways. Thank you, Nanette, for coming on the show. And thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of Failing to Success. Make sure to smash that subscribe button. I'm your host, Chad Kalecki, and we'll see you next time.